This is the Halloween Unleashed Podcast, featuring the cutting room floor. And now, here are your hosts for the week. Last year, we had Throwback Thursday as an experiment. This year, this season, with so many new listeners and downloads, we now have Way Back Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we will be going back in time, as long as we can, to uh, the previous podcast, HMMAT, the podcast that I hosted with Kevin King, or the brief episodes I have uh, saved of Mass Talk Radio that I did back in 2013 with Corey Jones. We're going to find different things that we can pull from way back. And uh, just to give you guys a little extra content, a lot of people ask all the time, um, hey, what's the background on this? Well, I probably covered it in the previous podcast. Maybe you're a new listener. Maybe you missed that episode, whatever the case may be. But truth is, the HMMAT podcast is not even hosted anywhere anymore, so it's going to have to live on through Halloween Unleashed. And speaking of Halloween Unleashed, I'm your host, Chris Morgan, and this Friday we'll start our weekly Friday episodes that will come out every Friday morning. Um, This week it will be the cutting room floor with Dylan Cloud as... He sits down and interviews a collector spotlight, Paul Fitzgerald. I got to say, for those of you that are thinking, oh, I probably won't get anything out of that, you need to listen to that episode because Paul not only is very well-spoken, he has an amazing collection that he dives into and talks about, and uh, they just have an amazing conversation. And I absolutely love those episodes uh, where we get to know a little bit more about the collectors themselves. So make sure that you check that out. Look for it on Friday this week. But um, enjoy Wayback Wednesday as we cover, because I've gotten a lot of um, requests lately to talk about how I got into mass making and how that process all worked. So this week we're going back in time to uh, March of 2017 on the HMMAT podcast where Kevin and I talk about the rise of WMP. So enjoy that episode and we'll hear from you on Friday and uh, next week will be the ghost. So thanks. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's March 22nd, 2017. I am your host, Chris Mandingo, the only, along with my co-host, Kevin King. Say hello, Kevin. Hello, everybody. We're going to address this. We're going to hit it head on, and it's just going to be done and over with. It is what it is. Man, it really sucks this thing. One, I'm really nervous about doing this show. It's not that I'm afraid to face anything. It's just a lot of it's uncomfortable, and I've did I, I've done everything I possibly could to to try and bury it and bury those thoughts and bury those people in my life. And uh, I mean, hey, I'm not telling you anything right now. I haven't told you off the air, and uh, I hope you can back me up on that. 
Uh, definitely 100% can. You know, some of the stuff that was said and done was uh, not very nice at all. So I could 100% understand why uh, some of this is uncomfortable to do. But we'll take care of you, man. Yep. We'll let you down. We'll let you down real easy. Yeah. Be gentle. It's my first time. I'll spit on it first. <laughs> well, with that being said, I'm bent over and got my cheeks spread, brother, so give it to me. Uh, well, first, I'd like to give a thank you to everybody that actually did send in a voice memo. You know, like uh, Chris had touched on a second ago, a lot of people didn't do it. There was more votes than voice memos that came in. But to be honest with you, with the people that did send in the questions, we got more than enough to talk about. So thank everybody for that. Um, and we're just going to pretty much jump right into this. I mean, it's called the rise and fall of WMP. So uh, bear with me here, people. I'm not a professional radio host or podcaster by any means, but I will do my best to keep this running smoothly. Um, with that being said, Chris, what I guess the main question here on everyone that sent in a question pretty much asked the same thing. All right. And we are going to play all that way you can answer them. Um, one of them was sent in by Andrew Christianberry. Uh, pardon me if I do mispronounce anyone's names. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all done, you know, through Facebook, so never actually heard correct pronunciations. But um, Jeffrey McLean also asked that question. I guess like any other uh, story, there always has to be a beginning and an end. Um, so tell me, you know, how did WMP, um, how did it first start? Uh, what made you decide to to start it? What prompted you to become a mask maker to begin with, and what's your favorite mask you've made? I decided um, that I was going to make a Halloween H3O, a 30-year anniversary fan film, and I don't know, to life of me, I cannot recall what gave me the idea to want to do that. It was just sounded fun and I wasn't going to be able to make the uh, the 30th uh, convention out in Pasadena so I said well if I'm not going to make it there let me go ahead and just make a film so that's what I did and uh, at the time H3O Productions Gary Gary Monger not Phillips Gary Monger um, was producing the the thorned mask and I had just sold off my SSN uh, curse mask which uh, I'll cover that on another episode but there there's a funny backstory with that uh, SSN curse mask that will probably make everyone seeing the prices of them now will probably shit when uh, they hear about that story but that's for a later date but yeah. but um, when H3O was being done, um, I got the masks uh, from, from Gary. He did a rotted version of the H6 mask, which Rob Zombie's Halloween was hot at the time. And uh, we were doing a little bit of a, of a homage and to the, the, the mask and the decay of the mask in that film meets uh, like a recreation of the original Halloween. And the tagline for that movie was, uh, it all begins again. And so the, you know, we heard on YouTube, oh yeah, they just recycled the same lines. Well, no shit. <laughs> you know, it was a fan film first of all, so you're gonna borrow shit. But the other thing is too is we wanted to kind of show things coming full circle. But to officially answer your question, um, what ended up happening was is when we did the original uh, test shots of the mask of the non-rotted H6 version that little Steven wears in the beginning of the film, 
you can actually see it in one of the shots when he kills Tommy Doyle. Um, when we get that low angle shot straight up on the mask, that was the original stuff before uh, I reweathered it and changed it up and made it look better. But uh, for lighting purposes, but uh, it was it was too white, and that's no offense to Gary at all. Um, I mean, in person it looked fantastic, but anytime you start throwing five six hundred watt lights on a set, your eyes, our eyes as human beings see differently than a camera lens does. So sometimes you have to kind of overcompensate uh, for camera lighting to be able to get everything that you want out of it. Does does that make sense? It sure does. So by the time you did that and went through the post-production process, it really just didn't look very good. So um, I ended up uh, weathering it up completely... um, getting it all set and then reshot a couple scenes and it came out fantastic. And funny story is, is that's how I met, uh, M Ryan Bogard. Um, he bought that mask. It was my first H six I did. And, you know, I realized I had a, a lot of fun doing it and, uh, I threw it up on eBay to buy my first pail, pail of latex. And, uh, so really, my my start to it all was that was that film and that mask and Ryan uh, Bogard giving me the giving me the funds to buy my first five gallon pail of latex. That's how it started. It's a very cool story to hear, and I actually uh, I speak with Mark. You know, that's his name, Mark. Everyone knows him as M Ryan Bogard. People think his name's Ryan. His name's Mark. Uh, he's a very cool dude. Had some very. conversations with him. Uh, very good guy. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a dear friend, and you know we've kept in contact throughout the years. And but uh, you know our journey together started uh, at the end of two thousand and eight, uh, and I've known him ever since. I was gonna say let, let me uh, let me just throw one of my questions in here real quick, just to to break this up. Sure. When you first started doing these masks, uh, you had just touched on you know you first got into it and you wanted to do your own. Where were you actually making these masks? Did you have a, a little shop set up? Or are you doing them right in your garage? I know some people do them right in their kitchen. Uh, where were you working out of? Brother, I was working out in the backyard taking an old broken down three-legged tripod and throwing them up there, painting them white in the broad sunlight. I had no shop back then, had no shed. And uh, when we moved into the house that we're now selling, um it was literally, we had no garage, no attic, no crawl space. So it was, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to go out in the backyard and do it. And uh, I was herring on my back porch, which uh, that time my wife loved having hair all over the back porch. I bet she did. You know, it's like that scene from American uh, Wedding when they were, uh, it was upstairs manscaping and the, the suction fan blew all the pubes out onto the wedding cake. Oh yeah, it was it was worse than that. I probably I probably killed uh, killed ten camels to hair my first mask. It was it was brutal. Now I only kill a quarter of a one. So it's uh, it's funny when you uh, when you first get in how much hair that you think that you have to use to cover a spot, and you really don't need that much once you learn how to do it. Definitely cool story, man. Uh, got a question sent in here from Jeffrey McLean uh, regarding. You know, pretty much asked the same thing. Why did you start making the masks? But he also added on, "What is the favorite mask you personally have ever made?" Coming, oh. I would guess, coming out of your own molds. I I wouldn't consider a conversion here. Just favorite mask you have made. Um, 
number one did not come from my mold. It came from uh, NAG's mold. And uh, that was a, a Halloween 4 cover mask that I did. Uh, many people said that it was the best Halloween cover cover mask that they've seen. I think Michael Lantern owns it now, to be honest with you. Um, last I checked, anyway, he bought it off of uh, Mark Walton. Um, it was Mark Walton's mask. I did the conversion for him. And um, Michael Lantern, actually, I think, bought it off of him. Um, you don't see very many pictures of it. But, you know, that's I still have all the images of that mask. And uh, that was one of my favorites. Uh, one of the other ones was Randy Stempulski, um, and I probably just butchered his name, but that's okay. Um, he came to me with a concept, and it was when I was producing the Night Stalkers, but he came to me with a concept in 2011. And, you know, I was doing decent business at the time. I mean, obviously, by 2011, I was full-time. I did have a shop. It was a, several months away from having the shop I've been working in. But he, uh, he, he approached me about doing a, a Halloween 3 concept mask, as if he kept the same mask uh, post-Halloween 2, post-fire, and he had some, some visions about what he wanted it to look like. And so, since there was nothing out there to really reference, it was all trying to take little bits and pieces of what he wanted and all he said to me was, I want it to look smoked. I want the hair to be like half burnt off. I want the blood tears almost to be infused into the mask. And that was really it. And I was like, I was so nervous about doing it because I was like, well, what if this thing looks like complete and utter shit? You know, there's there. I mean, he has a vision in his head. I hope with that direction that meant that I have full creativity, you know, that I could just kind of create. And that's exactly what it was. By the time I finished it, it literally looked like, and uh, he had up for a while, he took that mask to uh, Monster Mania where, when Dick Warlock was there shortly after he got the mask. And Dick actually put it on and said, this is, this is fucking cool. This is like something I've never seen before. And... That was like one of the biggest compliments at that time that I probably could have gotten. And so that easily stands out. I, I know I've done other Phoenix masks. It was the Night Stalker Phoenix. That was the birth of it. Uh, but I've done other variations of Phoenix masks and concept masks. But that first one will be one that I will never forget just because uh, it was it was new. It was different. Nobody else was, was doing them at the time. And... He, out of anybody that he could have chose, he chose me to do that. And uh, it was an awesome feeling. So those two stand out particular. Now, there's probably 10 others that I say, hey, I, I would love to have that copy back if you ever sell it. I know I've said it many times. But just answering that question, the first two that popped into my head were those two. Very good choices, man. I uh, I personally owned one of the phoenix masks but i believe mine was on a ghost yep wmp ghost and it was a one of one yep um but i only gave that up because i know sometime in the near future sometime in the distant future whenever it may be i know me and you have spoke off air about doing another project and overhauling a 
certain warlock to make a certain phoenix. So that's what I'm going to roll with on that one. But I definitely love that concept also. It was a great idea on his part. You know, nothing else, like you said, was out there like that. So uh, I think you definitely uh, you had a game changer there with that mask. Yeah, and it, it, it honestly, for quite a while, it became uh, monkey see, monkey do. And I mean that with the utmost respect because I was I was like, maybe, maybe this thing is so different that this is the only one I'm ever going to do. And nope, <laughs> there was a lot more after that. And uh, I was excited to do it because, you know, you, you got to keep in mind, back at that time, I was doing the standard the standard formula of what type of work I was putting out. I, I mean, I, I may have been doing five ones in one, one week where the next week I'd probably stage it to where I'd switch to a five or a six because I was just like, I need a break because they're starting to all look the same to the point to where I can't differentiate the art side of it. And it was just becoming a mass production type thing. And I didn't like that. So there was a lot of things that I did later on that I wanted a few of those copies back to redo and overhaul just because at that time I started thinking anytime that somebody would post something, um, I still liked it. I was like, man, that brings back some good memories in that old shop. But man, my work's changed since then. I'd like another crack at it. And I'm sure any artist out there can understand what I'm talking about with that. You know, you evolve over time, but it, in 2011, man, I was cranking out so much shit that it was like, it was hard to know what I was doing half the time because there was just, there was so much product flying in and out. So to start changing up and doing the Phoenixes was a welcome change because not only did I feel like, I mean, honestly, each copy was different. So it was, uh, you know, I had some people request a Phoenix with a full head of hair and I'm just like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. You have a... You have a crispy, burnt mask with a full head of hair. Why didn't the hair burn off first? It kind of defeats the actual purpose of that mask, but, you know, it's uh, definitely up to the buyer what they want. But Yeah, so, I seems, mean... It seems like, a, like an odd request for that for that style mask. I agree, but, I mean, I did do it. I didn't ask any questions, and I just did it. And, you know, everybody had their own variation of what they saw. I mean, they, they, they used that as the platform. Love the weathering, love the paint-up that you did on Randy's, and... I want mine slightly different. Can you do it this way with a few different um, added things to it? And by the time I got to my H35 fan film, I did my own uh, Phoenix on a V75 that I'm like, you know, nobody's ever done this or asked for this, but this guy just went through a fire slash explosion that I'm like, this is my film, this is my mask, this is my look. This is my chance to put my spin on my Phoenix. And I got to tell you, man, I cut big giant holes out of the thing and I soaked uh, paper towels and liquid latex and then laid it on the inside of, of the mask and let and hit it with the heat with a heat gun to, to, to dry it. And when that happened, you know, it looked like fucking flesh and then you painted painted that as like a burnt crispy flesh almost like all these areas like where the blood tears were at the top where they rolled down the outside of the eye holes i cut little sections in there like the fire just kind of blew right through that area and just because something with the blood or something like that ate right through that area 
and now you have these little uh, lines that are open there. And so, uh, and then up around the eyes, I added little uh, prosthetic type um, stuff with the with the liquid latex to give them like burnt eye sockets and stuff. So there was all this really cool stuff I did, and I really just made it made it look like that that thing was fused to his head. Whatever came about with that mask, is that something you still own, or did you eventually sell that one off? That's a good question. I wow. I I I know Marcus owned it for a while, but I don't I don't know if Marcus still has it or if he sold it because uh, I gave him that mask at the end because you know I I made that mask the size um, that would fit him and he wore it well. I mean both of those V75s in the movie that he wore is probably the best the V75 has ever looked and um, but. I know I gave it to him at the end of of filming because, you know, on an indie budget, you're not you're not paying anybody. Everybody's volunteering, etc. So um, I gave them that that as kind of a payment. And like I said, I don't know if he if he sold it off or not. I haven't talked to him in quite a while, and I've I've never really asked about it. But good question. Yeah, great answer. Uh, I got another question sent in here by our buddy from up north, Lorenzo Manbert. Hey, fellas, what's up? It's Lorenzo. Chris, got a quick question for you. During your time running WMP, you came out with a bunch of different sculpts. Which was your favorite and why? Also, which one was your biggest seller? That one's easy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Night, it up. Night Stalker, hands down. That is a mask that I actually did not get to see a lot of because it was already pretty much done and over with when I got into the latex side of the hobby. I've been in this hobby for a while as far as collecting the toys, but I came in at the tail end of all that. So unfortunately, I've heard a lot of good things about that mask, but it's not one I've really seen too many of. Yeah, and uh, NAG, uh, N-A-G, NAG, whatever you want to call him, uh, Nick has uh, his, his version of it. There was two masters of the nightmare out there. He... He ended up getting one that uh, Gary Gary Phillips made uh, at MMP made a few masters off of that. I ended up with a large and a small master off of it, um, and then directly from Gary. And then Gary actually sold one of his other masters uh, off to another member. I believe his name was Chad Phillips. And then Chad Phillips and Addison Marrer actually pressed that and made the hero which is now produced by uh sinister studio um so that's a retool of that that nightmare and then when they were done with that they sold that master to nick which nick now has well that's something i did not know about the uh sinister studios thing in addison marrer he hasn't been he hasn't really been in the myers hobby for a while because I remember, again, when I was first coming in a few years back, uh, I saw more of his Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff. So that's kind of a cool little tidbit to throw in there. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I met him at Days of the Dead in Atlanta. Um, you know, real neat guy, you know, uh, kind of introverted, but neat guy. I didn't have I didn't ever have any issues with him. I know there's some people that said he took a long time to ship and all that. I mean, I, I can't. I can't comment on that because I, I I bought a few blanks from him and he delivered in lightning speed. I had no issues with the guy. I've personally bought from him and never had an issue either, but we all know how that goes. One day you're good, one day you're bad. 
another question actually sent in by Lorenzo Manbert. Okay. Pretty much uh, going off the favorite skull thing, uh, it might be the same answer, it might not be, but what is the biggest seller, if you think you know that information off the top of your head, what is the mask that you sold that was your best seller and why? Um... Well, I hmm. think it might be JTK or the the Night Stalker. Or... It, it would have to be. I I think I don't think there was there was a one or two with that. I think there was one A and one B, and you know depending upon which month or which year, Night Stalker would be one A and JTK would be one B, and vice versa. So it's really hard to. It's a toss up between those two, but the V seventy five. It's we had ten pre-made copies and it sold out in less than ninety seconds when it was released on the day it was released. Um, wow. Yeah, there were some people that actually made uh, videos of them on the counter waiting it to go to zero just so they could hit the buy it now because there was ten slots open, ten slots available. That was it. And after that, you're on the deposit program and you got to wait. At that time, it was nine months. You got to wait nine months. Well, wow, so, that seems awfully long. <clears throat> yep, that's why I took a deposit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a joke considering how long some people wait for uh, just to get a mask repainted in this hobby. Uh, moving on, <laughs> yes, I've got a, on. another question sent in by Andrew Christianberry. Um, the reason I say WMP and not Wicked Mass Productions is because, if I'm not mistaken, it originally started out as White Mass Productions, and then there was all of a sudden there was a name change. Uh, what caused this name change? Um, simple. We wanted uh, we wanted to change the name. Don't be a prick about it. I'm not being a prick. I answered your question. Well, you got some more info on it than that. No one just up and changes a name. There's got to be something else behind it. Well, at first, you know, we had been talking about since masks were were rolling so solid, um, we had been asked several times about branching out and doing other things and doing some original characters and what have you. And uh, we just kind of, we were just tossing that around as potentially one day, like uh, my buddy Eric from um, Dimension FX he um, he and I had uh, visions in 2010, 2011, that five years from now we're going to have our own uh, warehouse somewhere in the middle of nowhere here in Florida, and we're going to be doing original sculpts and everything. So we were already trying to start. He didn't want to use DFX because it was kind of linked to the stuff he was doing with, uh, with his hockey masks uh, for, um, I can't remember the, the, the band. Mushroom head. Thank you. I I was having a blank, so I apologize, Eric. It happens. Hey, uh, let me uh, let me cut you real quick there. Let's let me ask you this: Where did you actually come up with the name White Mask Productions when you first started? I was producing white masks. Oh, come on! Some of them have shading, but they're white. Alrighty then. I can see how this is going to go. That's the end of the show, right? Yep, we're done. Call it a night. See you next week. Bye-bye, folks.
But really, though, why the name? Masks were white. <laughs> white masks. And he was producing them, so hence the name White Mask Productions. Yeah. It's simple enough. That's it. That's it. That's it, folks. We're done. That was it. Needed a name. Seems simple enough. And it was the first thing that popped into my head. So he didn't want to use his Dimension FX name, and um, and I didn't Much. want to. I didn't want to use White Mask Productions, and we wanted to come up with something original. But neither one of us had any ideas. And then before you know it, we just never brought the idea up again. So I was like, "Well, I'll just continue with the WMP White Mask Productions." So we continued along, and. There was, there was no reason to change it, but Jim Means actually uh, suggested, hey, man, have you, have you thought about changing your brand? And I said, yeah, I've thought about it. I don't have any ideas. And um, he said, well, give me some time to think about it, and I'll, uh, I'll get back with you. A few weeks later, um, and I'll just leave it at this because I'm sure we'll get more into it later, is... The pinch, the legal pinch started to be felt, and I think we know who we're talking about, and uh, and the scare scare stuff was going on, and, you know, basically they said, look, you're going to have to change your name if you're going to continue doing this type of stuff, and I wanted to continue doing that type of stuff, so... Uh, Jim actually uh he came up with the whole name, the concept, uh the wicked logo, the everything. He came up with everything. And the guy was a genius at the way he designed designed that front homepage. I don't think he got enough love for it. Um and you know, I feel bad about that because I was so busy at the time and he was such a thankless worker and such a great hand at doing everything that he did and was so fucking creative with shit that he did. I mean, you have one of his Halloween maps, you know, so that he did for the 25th anniversary and just, just the stuff that came out of sitting on the phone with him for 45 minutes. Creatively, your mind would just be blown by some of the stuff that he'd come up with. So he's definitely a phenomenal designer. He is, and he's and he was he's a great guy, and uh, we talked recently um, on the phone for the first time in several years, and um, it was it was different because for 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 once I wasn't in production trying to gear up for a new branding type idea or a new creative idea. It was just two dads, two friends, catching up over time. And it was it was cool. We talked for two hours, and those are sometimes the best phone calls, right there, man. Them are the ones that mean the most. Absolutely, and I I love Jim. And uh, next time he gets down to to Florida, we've already agreed that uh, we're gonna try to uh, take a few days off and get down to the area that they always stay and uh, try to rent a room and just hang out for a weekend together. And uh, it's gonna be kind of the plan, but. Yeah, he actually came up with the with the idea and the concept and the logo and the rebranding and 
Uh, he actually, that little icon, the little wicked icon, not the wicked letters itself, but the little, almost looked like a skateboard logo with the eye yes. right in the middle. Yeah. Um, there was actually going to be a whole backstory to that where um, the we were we were trying to do this entire rollout plan of creating this character named Wicked Nick. And that was going to be kind of like the WMP mascot. And I was going to create a mask and sculpt the mask, an original character, to do the own brand off of that. And then just kind of incorporate him as a real-life living character within the WMP boards, and basically all the mods were going to take turns playing Wicked Nick. You know, it, it was an odd concept, but you know what? It was creative. I liked it. It was different, and I was throwing a lot of shit at the wall at the time, and, you know, he came up with the concept. I loved it. And so initially he created this uh, Wix page that was all flash, and it was real confusing, real different, dark and mysterious, and then you just had this little flash of that eye and the little thing on there uh, with the lightning and everything. And it was, he just, he created an account called Wicked Nick and with that little emblem and then made that post with the link to, to the, to the website on the WMP message board. And people were like, well, what's this? And then, you know, he would just kind of talk in tongue and kind of talk in like metaphors and different things. And people were actually starting to get pissed about it. And in the, the only people that were involved in that were at the time were just Gemini, so it was our, kind of our way to kind of roll out this new character, to test certain things, to kind of roll out a new brand. And um, this is when we were still White Mass Production. We hadn't switched over the emblems yet, so this had been going on for two, three months. And finally, the mods were getting so pissed at this guy because they're like, this guy doesn't do shit. He just comes on here and posts this weird fucking shit. And they're posting this in the mod section. Like, we need to do something with this guy, about this guy. And so finally, like, by this point, uh, Sarah was brought into all of it. And she said, you're going to have to kind of tell everybody what's going on. So I did. And it went over like a fart in church, and uh, everybody thought that we that we ribbed them and we bamboozled them, and it, it just it started out as fun. And by this point, Jim was in the mod section with us, and one of the mods, and he was trying to step in and explain it, but they didn't like it. They they were like, "Hey, we're here every fucking day. We've been with you from day one, and." Uh, now we got to see this shit, and now we're now we're not even included in on the joke, you know, until at the very end. So, yeah, you know, Wicked Nick, man, that was uh, that was gonna be our, our our new mask, and then after that, it just Wicked Nick was was dropped. It was like a kind of a sore subject with everybody. Kind of a cool story. I never heard of that, and uh, that's another new piece of information I just learned. Yeah. It, it's funny that when we started talking about the switchover and the branding and stuff, it's just how that came back. I, I had, I had, I had honestly, I'd forgotten about it until, until now. All right. Uh, let's see. Who else can we ask? We uh, got a question sent in here by Rick Ramby. Member R Ramby seven with a question for Chris, uh, pertaining to the WMP poll topic for the podcast. 
Hey, Chris, uh, I was just wondering if the mask that WMP used to produce, uh, if you still own most of those masters or if those were sold off. Uh, thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate the podcast and the forum. This is awesome, guys. I still own a lot of them. I, I own um, I own things that were special to me that I could never, ever part with, ever. Um, one of them being uh, my reigning Red Master. I could never part with that. Um, and several other things. I mean, there's just, there's, there's, I think I still have around 15 to 18 masters just sitting around saying, Hey, I miss you. Come back and make me touch me, put your hands inside me. Yeah. When I was actually, when I was actually, uh, starting to box up the house and everything and, I had a whole room dedicated to them sitting up on a shelf, and they took up pretty much the entire wire rack. And um, I walked in, and I felt like I had all these eyes looking at me like, hey, you locked me up in a fucking room for the last year and a half, and you haven't even stopped by to say that you still like me and love me. And so It was an odd stare down. Pretty crazy. Got a question sent in by our buddy from the U.K., Danny Davis. Over on the Horror Podcast, uh, Danny here. I just wanted to ask, during the heyday of WMP, did you ever feel like moving away from the Myers scene onto other horror icons? Yeah, and I think we kind of touched on it. We were we were looking at that when uh, Eric and I were looking at starting our own, starting our own studio. Uh, we were going to do that. We were going to get into basically producing... Uh, creepy horror masks and sculpting them together and doing it in the United States versus going overseas. Like uh, Mexico? Moving on! Just want to find out, is there anything else you want to touch on before we close out part one for the day? No, I think uh, I think we actually we, we, we covered a lot of ground and there was a lot of really cool stories that... Uh, people didn't know about which i which i thought was which i thought was great um i'd say i'm looking i'm I'm looking forward to next week but i I really don't know what's going to be hitting me next week so oh it's going to be a a big black mandingo so get lubed up and get ready for it can't wait all right with that means marty i need brace yourselves for temporal displacement did we make it? Are we back? We're back. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Halloween Unleashed featuring the cutting room floor. Be sure to follow us at anchor.fm slash Halloween Unleashed and on our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash Halloween Unleashed. For all video versions of the cutting room floor, please visit youtube.com slash user slash DylanCloud97 and subscribe. Be sure to share our episodes on social media and we'll be back next week with an all new episode.